this is the takeaway. I'm Melissa Harris-Perry. Let's face it, Netflix has carved out a pretty decent lane for itself in the realm of reality dating shows. Hits like Love is Blind, Too Hot to Handle, and The Ultimatum rest comfortably in the streamer's top 10 rankings weeks after initial release. I initiated the conversation with Hunter about an ultimatum. I'm ready to make the next step. And I basically told Hunter, we either get engaged or we break up. Not leaving straight folks to have all the fun. The ultimatum is sent to launch countless group chats when it returns later this month with the added descriptor, queer love. I don't even want to say her name anymore. She's like Voldemort to me. The experience was 10 people coming here, meeting other people who you could find something with. What did you come here for? Now, as mindlessly entertaining as reality TV can be, it also reflects back to us our social ideals about relationships, love, and gender. With me now is Tuck Woodstock, host of Gender Reveal and co-founder of Sylvian Consulting, a trans-led organization that provides trainings and consulting services with an emphasis on trans and queer equity. And a lot of this work is done for media and entertainment companies. Tuck, welcome to The Takeaway. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you snuck me in here. It's such a treat. <laughs> oh, I'm thrilled to get a chance to talk with you about this. In this case, we get to talk about trash TV. <laughs> so let's talk about the pop culture space that is the ultimatum. What is this show? The premise is like so convoluted that it's difficult to explain, but there are a number of couples who apply to be on the show and each couple has one member who has issued an ultimatum that says, I need you to propose or accept my proposal right away. And the other person is like, I love you. I want to be with you, but I'm just not ready to get married right now. We know that this can't possibly be the best way to do this because at the beginning of the first season, the hosts, Nick and Vanessa Lachey, say, you know, therapists don't really recommend ultimatums, but we're just going to do it. You know, like I'm paraphrasing, but it's more or less exactly what they say. Maybe not like the best intention, but it sure produces interesting results for the TV viewers. Listen, first of all, shout out to therapists. I can very much remember being 24 years old and telling my therapist at the time I was going to issue an ultimatum to my um, partner that he must propose. And I can remember her looking at me quizzically and saying, so either you're going to spend the rest of your life with this person or you're out of here and never want to speak to them again. Really no room in between those two things, huh? That doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> And I think you being 24 is a key part of this puzzle because the first season, there's currently only one season out. And the first season, the age range was, I believe, 23 to 30, with most people being 23, 24, 25. So they would have these conversations where one person would be like, I don't understand why you haven't proposed to me already. And the other person would say, well, I'm still in college. <laughs> You know, so <laughs> I'm still on my parents' health insurance. <laughs> exactly. It's wild. Also, none of them had been dating for that terribly long. It was like all people who had been dating from one and a half to two and a half years, which I understand maybe that feels like a long time for some people. But to be 23 and having dated someone for a year and a half and being like, I don't understand why this hasn't happened already. It's just I'm sure it's normal for some people, but it's certainly not like the world that I live in. And so when I was watching the first season of The Ultimatum, I thought of it very much as, you know, 
having a peek at the straight people zoo. <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> Who are these people and what are their lives like? Because I really, they have almost nothing to do with what my life is like, which is one of the reasons why it's such a joy to watch these shows. I hear that your phone kind of blew up with text when this most recent trailer for The Ultimatum came out because this season it's The Ultimatum, Queer Love. What is happening now? This second season, they have couples of, quote, women and non-binary people. And I say, quote, because I don't have any information about any of the genders of the people on this show other than what's in the caption of the YouTube video of the trailer. Uh, But they're saying that women and non-binary people are participating on this queer love season. It's clearly going for like a lesbian vibe, but I think that they perhaps in the casting realized that they didn't want to just cast cis women because some of these cisgender women had partners who did describe themselves as non-binary and are non-binary. And so now we have this sort of mix of of cis women and and non-binary people. So this is called queer love, but I think it's more giving lesbian love, which would be a fun alliteration, but I think was considered not inclusive enough, which, you know, we understand. We want to be inclusive here. All right. So help us to understand a bit, though, about why that matters. Sure. So they did not send me screeners, so I cannot tell you how anyone describes themselves or describes their relationship. And I want there to be space for everyone to describe their relationships and the words that feel right for them. But I will say that if you are going to use a broad label like queer love, and then you're only casting cisgender women and what I am guessing are non-binary people assigned female at birth who have not necessarily transitioned in any sort of um, medical way, which of course, just to be so clear, mm-hmm. being non-binary, you do not have to transition medically. Being trans, you don't have to transition medically. All I'm saying is it's a very specific identity. It's a very specific type of being non-binary. And being non-binary and being trans writ large is this huge umbrella that really includes all sorts of other people. So if we're going to say queer love, or even if we were going to say lesbian love, what we could have done was also cast trans women, also cast trans feminine people, cast uh, trans masculine people who also identify as lesbians or other words that I maybe can't say on the radio, but that are sort of in the lesbian world. Um, All of these people, if you think of really anyone who is not a cisgender man, there is someone of that type of gender who does identify as a lesbian. And there are certainly people of all genders um, who identify as queer. And so we're talking again, like cis men, trans men, non-binary people, cis women, trans women, and all sorts of other identities in there too. So having something called queer love And then only including this one really small subset of that identity when there's just like so much else out there that you could have included. More with Gender Reveal podcast host Tuck Woodstock in just a moment. It's The Takeaway. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex of bugs. (laughs) Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. 
wherever you get your podcasts. We're still talking about season two of the Netflix reality dating show, The Ultimatum, Queer Love. And I'm talking with Tuck Woodstock, host of Gender Reveal and co-founder of Sylveon Consulting. I'm wondering if like, Taking a thing that is, you know, the the straight people zoo and and then just sort of superimposing on that queer love in whatever sort of narrow or broad sense is is really doing justice to the possibilities of what a queer love dating show, even based on something like this, could be. I actually keep in my back pocket at least three absolute bangers of queer reality television show ideas that I have never gotten to use and probably will never get to use because what I have found trying to make this happen is that uh, major production companies still in 2023 do not want to give money or creative control to queer and trans people. They want to take straight cis people um, and then say, hey, you, a heterosexual cisgender person, what do you think queer people want for TV? All right, let's just do that. And so, so often it ends up being just queer or gay versions of existing straight IPs, uh, existing Mm -hmm. straight television shows. Uh, So in this case, I can see ways that it would really work and even be more interesting. Uh, But I can also see ways that it doesn't work maybe as well. And so the ways that it it actually, I think, does work and is really interesting. Uh, one, lesbians are known, and I can say this culturally, <laughs> lesbians are known for a lot of processing and also a lot of getting together really fast, called U-hauling. Mm-hmm. And these are both things that you can do on the ultimatum. So in some ways, that's beautiful. On another way, uh, the way that the show works is everyone gets to date everyone else. And so if everyone is ostensibly interested in everyone else on the show because you're all sort of in the same general, you know, queer lesbian world. And that is also really interesting. However, queer culture generally is much more interested in non-monogamy than straight culture. And that's not to say that there can't be non-monogamous straight people. There's not to say that there aren't monogamous queer people because there are But by and large, we see non-monogamy as like a very normal way of life. And so, so much of the stakes and the dynamics of straight created reality dating shows are saying, we're going to take these monogamous people, we're going to put them in a non-monogamous situation like Love is Blind or The Bachelor or this show, The Ultimatum. And then the goal is to come out monogamous on the other side. And so, so much of the tension is like, Will you be with her or will you be with me? If you think about non-monogamy as a valid way of life, that tension doesn't exist in the same way because you can just date both of them. Um, I think new and interesting and different tensions arise, but I don't think that straight reality television producers know how to handle those tensions. Um, And so I am really interested to see the way that they cast uh, this show and the way that they handle that because it's possible that they screened people to be only focusing on not on monogamous queer people, but it's also possible that they did it. And I, I will be pleasantly surprised if we see any sort of conversations about non-monogamy on this television show, because it's it's really been lacking in dating shows thus far, I feel. Right, because rather than non-monogamy as a valid choice, it's really just about reluctance around timing or mismatch around timing. So bring the U-Haul on the fifth date, not the second date. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that it just would be so interesting if we saw, you know, in this new season of The Ultimatum, uh, someone say, you know, I came into this 
season wanting to marry you, my girlfriend. And then I met, you know, Tina over there. And I really had a connection with Tina. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to still marry you, but I'm also going to date Tina. Like that wouldn't be something that we see on reality TV, but that mm -hmm. is actually a very normal thing. I have dated many people with wives, you know, <laughs> that's just a thing that we do um, here in this culture. And so I would just love to see that on TV. And I don't know if it'll happen or not, because like I said, it changes the stakes of everything. But I think it would be like a true treat to see like actual queer relationship dynamics on TV. So interesting to hear you say, I would, I kind of love to see that on TV. I'm always of two minds around this, right? Like, for example, as a black Southerner, I actually really hate seeing um, like black church representations on TV or movies. Like I've just so rarely ever seen them done right. I'm like, okay, could we just never go to church? Just how about never? Because like y'all are doing this weird performative thing with it. That's not what it is. I don't want to see that thanks, rather have an empty space than getting it wrong. And so I guess I'm interested in like this feeling of like, oh, I'd love to see that. I wonder if you also are like, oh gosh, please let me never see that. I, I think that that is also a really good point that you're making because when I was talking about this upcoming season of The Ultimatum with a lot of my friends, I did say to them, are we disappointed that there isn't a wider range of trans and queer identities on this show, at least as far as we can tell from the trailer? Do we wish that there was, you know, trans masculine representation or trans feminine representation in the ways that we embody in our day to day lives? Or are we so relieved to be left out, left out of this mess? Because it's going to be a mess of a show, right? <laughs> you know, um, And when we think about other shows that have had queer seasons, the one that everyone in my community always cites first is the queer season of uh, Are You the One? And that had trans representation in ways that were like, oh, here's an embarrassing transmasculine boy. We all know that boy. Now he's on TV. Do we like that he's on TV? Do we feel seen? Are we like, oh no, that's our dirty laundry? Meanwhile, another trans character is like being transphobia on the show. Do we like seeing that or do we actually hate seeing transphobia on TV because we mm -hmm. see it enough already? And so I think we are all of two minds. And that's why I come back to I want to see queer and trans reality television that is actually produced and created by queer and trans people, because then we can be looking out for each other and we can be correcting the mistakes like the ones you're describing in your community where it's like, oh, this representation doesn't feel right. It's not hitting correctly. I would love to see more queer and trans and non-monogamous representation on reality TV and in other parts of media. That's part of my full job. Um, but I really want to ensure that it's done in a way where everyone is treated with respect. They don't have to be the heroes of the season. We can have more trans villains. We love trans villains and queer villains. Like queer people historically have been the villain. They're great at it. You know, look at Ursula, for example. We love it. <laughs> but... Um, at the same time, we want to make sure everyone's treated with respect and dignity um, and that no one's gender or sexual orientation is a punchline. No one's being talked down to. No one's being othered um, in the way that it's so easy to do when a show is being run by people who don't understand that identity on a fundamental level. So, again, I'll just be really interested in to see how this goes <laughs> moving forward. I really have no idea how they'll handle it. No matter what they give us we are all going to be watching this season of the show because it's so rare that queer reality TV pops up that it it can be the trashiest trash that's ever trashed. And we're just like, well, I guess I have to watch this like train wreck every week. Uh, so we'll all be watching whether it's good or not. It's like the L word. <laughs>
Tuck Woodstock is host of Gender Reveal and co-founder of Sylvian Consulting, a trans-led organization providing trainings and consulting services with an emphasis on trans and queer equity for media and entertainment companies. Tuck, thank you so much for taking the time with us. It was such a treat. I can't wait to watch The Ultimatum with you. <laughs>